Appreciate Pastor Jordan taking care of the service last week. And um, was in Virginia with Pastor Randall. And from time to time, I, as you know, I go out and preach with those people that we're in covenant with. And um, so I was, had a wonderful time there and seeing how the Lord is blessing uh, the church there in Waynesboro. Uh, today I want to continue to uh, preach in this line or this thought, moving forward, moving forward. <clears throat> I want to talk about that because it's not just moving. It is possible for you to move and not go forward. It is possible to move and have movement, but no progress. Busy, but no accomplishment. Uh, it's where I guess we get the saying, going in circles. Amen. And so it's more than just moving, but it's moving in the right direction, moving forward. And I want to deal with that uh, some here today. In Deuteronomy chapter 2, in verse number 1, the Bible says, Then they turned and took their journey into the wilderness by the way of the Red Sea. And the Lord spoke unto them, And we can pass Mount Seir many days. And the Lord spoke unto me, saying, You have compassed this mountain long enough. Turn you northward. Turn you northward. You have gone around this mountain long enough. In the book of Exodus, we can find and read there the first years of the wilderness experience. It can, you can read it uh, there and in its entirety of how that they spent their first year in wilderness wandering. In Deuteronomy chapter 2 and following, you will find the last year of this wilderness experience. They lived in the wilderness for over 38 years. Their lives had filled with unbelief. And the Bible tells us that they died in the wilderness. There is a great price to be paid for unbelief. Unbelief and doubt is two different things. They are not the same. Every one of us have dealt with doubt. Doubt causes you to question. But when doubt comes, we know how and in whom we have believed. And so it deepens our faith. We begin to ask questions and the questions are answered in our faith and we know with confidence in who we have believed. We all have had opportunities to doubt, haven't we? Perhaps you have stood at the bedside of a loved one. Maybe it's someone, a friend or a relative or family member and they have died seemingly prematurely or you felt as if this was not their time or their season to die and those doubts come to every one of us. It is in that moment when we have to make a choice. Are we going to uh, accept the doubt and change our opinion of God 
Or are we going to say, even though I don't understand his ways, I'm still going to trust him? I'm thankful that when I had questions, God was not put off by me. He wasn't put off by my questions. He, he is very capable and he is very able to answer those questions. And people say, well, you should never question God. But Jesus did. When he was hanging upon that cross, right? And he cried out his question, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? But after the question, Jesus kept his faith. <laughs> you see, that's the difference between doubt and unbelief. You can question, you can have doubts, and that doubt will lead to questions. But in the question, after you question it, then don't give up your faith. Don't release that which you have confidence in because Jesus kept his faith in God and said, nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. And just because you've been through doubt doesn't mean that you have to allow the poison of unbelief to get into your heart. You don't have to miss the miracles just because you've been through a mess. But you see, God wants to bless us even when we have questions. God wants to move on our behalf and it, and it never stops God's favor in our life whenever we look to him and say, God, what about this? And I don't understand that. It doesn't stop the favor of the Father upon your life. I would never put out Jordan or destiny because they question me. They're my children. And Father God isn't going around putting people out because they question him out of things that we don't understand or we don't comprehend. But we never allow it to stay in our hearts until it becomes an unbelief that we begin to not have belief or faith in God. Amen. God was doing a work in Israel and few preachers today, they, they don't want to talk about the process. Have you noticed that? People don't want to talk about the process. They want to talk about cotton candy and what you can get from Santa Claus Jesus. But, but people don't want to talk about the process of getting there. But I, I want to tell you today as pastor that there's still process in the journey. There's still struggles along the way. There's still situations that you work out because God in his optimate uh, grace and mercy knows that, that in the state that we're in and where he is wanting to take us, that it would not behoove us, that it would not help us for him to allow us to get to where we're going in the state that we're in. So in the journey, he works in us. He works in our hearts. He works in our mind. He works in our life. He works us through a process. And God was working on the children of Israel. And even though he was taking them to a land for them to reign in and for them to have victory in, a land that was flowing with milk and honey, they had to go through the process called the wilderness. Israel got up used to the wilderness. 
They got used to going through the mundane. They got used to being a slave. They got used to being having a mentality because in order for God to bring them out of Egypt, he had first deliver them from a mentality. Their mentality said, we are slaves. Their mentality, you see, we're not just talking about first generation. We're talking about third and fourth and fifth generation and enslaved and held in captivity. And they have begun to live a lifestyle that suggested that not only were they slaves, but they would always be slaves. And generations, after you have gone from generation to generation living a certain way, then you don't even question why you're doing what you're doing. <coughs> Amen. We just do it. You know, the old, old story goes that, that, that three generations were getting Thanksgiving together and, and, and one of them comes in and cuts off half the ham and throws it away. Right? And they said, well, why do you, some, someone that young girl said, well, why are you doing that? Said, I don't know. Said, that's what mom did. She said, well, why, why did, mom, why'd you do that? She said, I don't know. They said, that's what my mom did. She went in and said, granny, why did you do that? Said, I don't know why she did it, but my pan was too small. Sometimes we just do things because we've seen it. It's, it's a process. We've gone through it. That's how we've been raised up. That's how we've been taught. You know, whenever you look at other people's lives, it's amazing how that we create our own world, right? We do things a certain way and everybody has their way of doing things. And most of the time it's because that's the way they were brought up. And whenever we look at other folk, uh, you know, through their uh, uh, big window, we, we think they're kind of weird. Why do you do that? Why do you, why do you do this? And how come you do it that way? But that's how we learned it. And, and, the, and it's the same way as spiritually. The children of Israel, they, they learn the process of being a slave. They learned that it was okay to be in slavery and hostage to these situations. And, and then they got used to it. And many things in our life that we, we don't ever question. And when you don't question a thing, it, it may not be the right thing for you, but you will never change until you question it. Why do I do it this way? Why have I done it this long? And you've got to question it. Not that it's bad. Not that it's good. Just question it. And say, why is it that I, I sleep till, till 9 o'clock instead of get up at 6 o'clock? Question it. When you've been through it long enough, you begin to think like them. You begin to talk like they talk. They begin to act like the Egyptians act. But the truth is, it doesn't matter how long you've been in Egypt or what you did while you was there. 
Some people say, well, you know, I just act that way because I, I was in the world for so long. I, I, you don't know what I did while I was I don't care what you did while you was in the world. I don't care how many people you slept with. I don't care what you snorted up your nose. It doesn't matter of all of those things. When you become a new, you give your heart to Christ. If any man be in Christ Jesus, old things are passed away and behold, all things have become new. And now we have to get a new mindset. Be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. What mind? Let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus. Christ Jesus is understood that, that we are not, we are going through this world, but we are not of this world. This world doesn't have us, but we have it. Amen. And so we have to be realize that we are going through battles, we're going through difficulties, we're going through things in our life, but we don't have to allow it to overcome us. We can have the victory over those things, right? In Exodus chapter 12, God said, I'm going to bring you from out of Egypt. And he tells them, I'm going to free you from what has had you bound, right? He said, I'm going to free you from what has had you bound all of these years. Sometimes we don't even know we're bound. Amen. That's the reason we do fasting. That's the reason we do prayer. Fasting will bring stuff out of you you don't even know is in you. Oh, yes, it will. It'll bring the attitude out. It'll bring the mindset out. It'll bring your heart out. It'll reveal what's in there. That's the reason we fast. That's the reason we pray. That's the reason. And, and that's the longer you walk with God, the more that he'll begin to reveal in your heart that you don't even know is there. And because you've been in the hostage, because you've been bound to it, because it's become normal to you, but the good Holy Spirit, as you begin to seek His face and get into His Word and worship Him, He'll begin to reveal things to you and begin to show you things in your life that just need to shift or to change or to get rid of so that you can be more like Him. Amen. And so he tells them, I'm going to deliver you out. I'm going to bring you out of Egypt. And he is telling them, I'm going to free you from what has had you bound. And he uses the blood of a lamb to do it. He said, whenever I see the blood, I'm going to pass over you. And so we know the story of Egypt. They're there. They take, they take, take a lamb. They sacrifice the lamb. They take the blood. They put it upon the doorpost. And the Bible says that the death angel would come through that night. And wherever the blood had been applied, the death angel could not enter in because there was already been a death there. Hallelujah. But, but he says, wherever that blood has been applied I'm going to pass over there thank God today for the blood of Jesus no telling what would have came to our house no matter no telling what would have come into our life no telling what has passed by our house or our lives that wanted to come in and wreak havoc upon us but could not enter because the blood had been applied hallelujah I'm telling you today that it is the blood of Jesus Christ that causes the death angel to stay away even though it may want to come even though sickness may want to come even though trouble may want to come even though frustration but he says no the blood has been applied here and you cannot enter in amen 
I'm thankful for the blood. I said, I'm thankful for the blood. But I'm thankful also for that the deaf angel could not enter. But can I tell you that I'm as equally thankful that he also killed the firstborn. You don't hear people shout over him killing the firstborn. Because we're shouting about the death angel not being able to enter in. But to those who were disobedient, to those who the Egyptians, he said, I'm going to slay the firstborn. Amen. The death angel passed over and it preserved my present. But whenever, the, whenever he killed the firstborn, he secured my future. Amen. Because the firstborn were future slave owners. The firstborn were the next in line to be the oppressors of another generation. But God said, whenever I do it, I'm not only going to deliver you from your daddy's demon, and I'm not going to just deliver you from your own demon, but I'm going to deliver you from future demons that will try to get on your children and your children's children. Hallelujah. You see, God wants to do something so extravagant that it will blow our minds, and we're worried about little peanut business and trying to get by when God... God is wanting to open up the heavens and pour out a blessing upon us that will not just be here in the now, but for generations to come. We sing it, we read it in the word, but do we really believe it? That he will bless not only me, but my children and my children and my children's children. Praise God, it is the word of the Lord. And we need to activate that in our life and say, we're not about to go through the mundane. We're not about to just go through the motions and the rigors of religion me for one I'm tired of church I'm tired of going through the motions I'm tired of no activity I'm tired of going around in circles I need to see the goodness of God I need to see his power and his Holy Spirit that will stir in our lives that we're not just circling the mountain again but we're going north we're going somewhere and we're going with power and we're going with authority amen he said, not only am I going to deliver you from the past, but I'm going to secure your future. And when Jesus came, he didn't only deal with your generational devils. He dealed with everything that would ever come against you in your life. Amen. <laughs> they left Egypt and the Bible said they had the wealth of Egypt. Right? They have the wealth of Egypt with them. But don't you know that whenever you have a slave mentality, it don't matter how much wealth you got. I know you think I'm talking about them, but I'm talking about us. Amen. That we are trying to just barely get by. We're trying to hold, hold the fort. We're trying to, 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 to stabilize everything and make sure we can make it. And God said, I didn't call you to hold the fort. I called you to take the fort. <laughs> I called you to invade enemy held territory. I called you to be the head and not the tail. I called you to be more than a conqueror through me. Amen. And, and, and he, God is wanting us today to realize that it doesn't matter. We have all of this wealth in the spirit available to us. But what are we using? We're using a little dab as salvation. That's enough. <laughs> Y'all quiet as a bunch of Presbyterians today. 
but that's all right. We got all of this available to us. He gave us everything that pertains to life and godliness. Everything is at our disposal. And are we still living like paupers? Are we still living with a slave mentality? If you have an enslaved mentality, it doesn't matter how much wealth you have available to you. You still feel like a slave. Right? You still have a mindset of wilderness wandering. And we see that he says to them, after 38 years of wilderness wandering, God tells them, you have been here long enough. Go north. Go north. Patterns become mentalities. Mentalities become expectations. And we begin to bring ourselves to a place where we don't expect anything. Where we don't anticipate anything. Right? How many times have you heard somebody down in the mouth say, well, don't expect much and you won't be disappointed. That's dumb. Shoot for the moon. And if you hit a star, hang on to it. Amen. Go for broke. Patterns become mentalities. Mentalities become expectations. You're not dying, you're just not living. You're not being destroyed, you're just existing. And here we are in this place. Now I'm very aware of the past two or three years, been very difficult on people. People have lost jobs. Uh, educational system has been messed up as a result of it. Uh, sickness is, 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 seems ra more rapid today than ever. We, we've had loss. We've had death. It's been hard. But my question this morning is, to you and to me, are we going to spend another year going around this same mountain? Are we going to spend another year in this same struggle, doubting, or, or in this season, are we going to get a hold of God and move north? Amen. Are we, are we going to just keep on talking about what has been, or are we going to start talking about our future? Talking about where God wants us to be and what he wants us to do. Amen. Because you see, it is not where you've been. If you're living in a rearview mirror, you'll always be depressed. That's where depression comes. You look at depressed people and I promise you they'll, and, and I'm not putting them down, you understand. We, we deal with those things. But you look at somebody who's dealing with depression in their life and I promise you they're focused on their past. But some way or another, you've got to break out and quit looking in the rearview mirror and start looking through that big windshield that's in front of you and start believing and start dreaming. How many times in sports do you hear people that have uh, been uh, uh, 
exceptional at their sport and and they and they inevitably when they sit down and talk to them they don't say well i i didn't know i was this good and 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 they just called me one day and and, and i came out here and woof that happened no no Inevitably, they would say, when at my earliest childhood, four or five years old, I was dreaming about winning the Super Bowl. I was dreaming about being a quarterback. I, I was dreaming about shooting the three-point shot at the end of the and winning the game. I, I was dreaming. I, I've been, this is what I've done. I believe for. What are you dreaming about? What are you believing for? Because faith is a substance of things hoped for if you don't have no hope then faith has nothing to connect itself to but there's got to be a hope there's got to be something inside of you that believes that this is not the best day of my life that there are future things ahead of me there are things that eyes have not seen ears have not heard it's not even entered into my heart but I know that God is good and he wants me to go somewhere significant in my life glory to God this isn't the best day of my family this isn't the best day of my marriage this isn't the best day for the things in my life I'm going to have an abundance and an overflow that I cannot just pay my bills but I'm going to be able to be a blessing to other people because that's what God wants for my life amen but you see for some the enemy has his way with us for so long and now that we're free we don't act free we don't know how to act right I heard the old story, and I've probably used it before here in the past, but that they had the circus bear, and the bear was chained up and put in a pen and, uh, behind the bars, and, and he was in those bars all of his life for so long until one day they said, okay, we've got to retire this bear, and they took the bear, and, they, and he paced 25 feet back and forward, back and forward. And they said, we're going to retire this bear. And they took him and they put him out into a, a preserve. And, and they released that bear so that he could go do his thing. And they said that that bear would go 25 feet back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. Because in his mind, even though the chains were gone, even though the bars was gone, in his mind, he was still captive. And I come to tell somebody today, God's removed the bars. God's removed the chains, but in our mind, we feel as though that we're still captive because the devil says, you can't be that free. Look at what you've done in your past. You can't be that free. Look at this. Look at that. And he puts all of these things upon you until in your mind, even though God has freed us, we're still captive in our minds. And we, like Israel, get comfortable living in limited, compressed, controlled uh, in places and environments. And when God has given us not only freedom, but he commanded us to move. Amen. He commanded us change directions. Right? Israel was 38 years and they had a lot of activity but no progress. They had a lot of movement, but they went nowhere. Amen. Is anyone thankful today that God will still take care of you while you're wilderness wandering? 
Ain't you thankful today that he'll still send manna even though you're in the wilderness, even though you're wandering? It was was not the answer to them being able to stay longer in the wilderness, but the manna was sent so they could get to their, sustain them to get to their promised land. Amen. At some point, you have to get sick of manna and get hungry for the promise. I'm going to say that again. At some point in your wilderness wandering, you got to get sick of the manna and get hungry for the promise that God has placed over your life. Amen. And I believe today that we've got not only have we got satisfied and we've got settled, but it's been so long since we've seen the moving of God and the stirring of his spirit that we think that this is normal. But I've just come to tell you today, this isn't normal. This isn't normal. This isn't what God had. You know, if you... This isn't normal. John chapter 5, we have the New Testament story that is parallel to the children of Israel. 38 years, the children of Israel went through the wilderness wandering in bondage. In John chapter five, we've got the pool of Bethesda and we have a man that is stuck there for 38 years. I've preached for years now. The Lord gave me a a word many years ago and I preached this for many years now that Bethesda is a picture of the church. It, have, it has five porches. Five is the number of grace. It ha, it, five is the number of the five-fold ministry, the apostle, the prophet, the pastor, the teacher, the evangelist. Water is a picture of refreshing, right? And it's near the sheep gate. It was a place for messed up people to come. The blind, the halt, the lame, the paralyzed, all of the messed up people would come and show up because the church is not a place necessarily for wholeness. It is a place for sickness. Right? The whole need not a physician, but he came to seek and to save that which is lost. The sick are the ones that needs the help. It doesn't mean that if you think you got it together, you don't need church. If you don't think you need church, you need church. But it is the place where that we can come hurting, we can come broken, we can come troubled, we can come a mess. And we don't have to clean up if you don't have to fix up. If we could do all of that, we wouldn't need God. But we need God because we can't do all of that. But we come and it's a place where there's healing, there's a place of hope. And we see the story of this man is the equivalent of the children of Israel for 38 years. We like Israel this and this man, sometimes we get stuck in a place where we're comfortable just because God didn't do what we thought he would do in a season that we thought he would do it in. And we create our own theology uh, uh, to fit our dysfunction. And we want to change our theology because the thing that we thought was true didn't work the way we thought it was going to instead of us shifting in our minds and in our hearts, we want to shift what we think about God. 
And while all along God has already made a way of provision, He has already moved on our behalf, but we haven't pushed on the wall to see if it will fall. Amen. This man laid there for 38 years, never questioning it. Never asking a question. Never wondering what's going on. It don't suggest that he does. He just accepted it. This is, this is what I'm going to be. This is where I'm going to be. This is what I'm going to do. For 38 years. And finally Jesus shows up and makes him question it. Do you want to be made whole? You would think that that would be a foolish question. But Jesus knew what was in his heart. Jesus knew that he had already accepted this as not only his present, but also his future. And whenever Jesus went and challenged that, he said, do you want to be made whole? He started making excuses. That's what we always do. We always make excuses for where we are and, and how come we stayed where we are and why we're not over here and we're still over there. But Jesus comes and he says, do you want to be made whole? And he says, well, I, I don't have no man to put me in. Right? We always blame it on somebody else. Right? If I had somebody to help me, if I had somebody to believe in me, if I had somebody to do this, that, or the other, if I had somebody, but, but you haven't tried to stand up and see if strength have come to your own legs yet. Are you with me? Jesus took the excuse away from him and said, you don't have to be here another day if you don't want to, but if you want to, you can die here. That's not what Jesus said, but I think that's what he meant. You, you got to make a decision. You've got to make a choice. Do you want to get up from here or do you want this to be your life story? You've been here all of your life. Do you want to stay here the rest of your life? He pushed on him. And that's what I'm trying to do today. I'm trying to push on somebody to say, are you really going to stay where you are the rest of your life? Are you really going to go through the motions? Are you really going to be satisfied with this? Are you going to check your legs and see if you don't have some strength again? Check that wall and see if you put some pressure on that wall. If that wall just won't come crumbling down in the face of your adversary and let the devil know that greater is he than is in you than all of the things the world has brought against you. I challenge you this morning, wherever you are, amen, life has a way of getting us sour. It has a way of getting us bitter and, and jagged and jaded and, and mad and everyone else because we haven't seen the promise of God. But I want to tell you today, it isn't everyone else and it isn't something else that has stopped us from seeing the goodness of God, but it is our stinking thinking that has kept us captive and somebody has to push on our thoughts on our mind and say just ask the question am I going to settle for this am I going to stay here because if God be for you it doesn't matter who's against you amen Am I going to stay here? Am I going to continue to, is this going to be my story? 
Is this going to be my life? But you see, the children of Israel had to get up. Whenever you're going to go somewhere, the first thing you got to do is get up. You got to get up from the posture of sitting. You've got to be get up from the posture of comfort. And you've got to stand up into a motion or a movement before you can go forward. And I'm here today to tell you that in order for the One Life Church to move from the stagnant, stale posture and position that we're in, we've got to get up. And we've got to forget those things which are behind. And we've got to get a hold of the promise that God has before us. And say it's not by might nor by power, but by the Spirit of the living God, we're going to rise and we're going to get moving. Amen. Tell your neighbor, get moving. You gotta move. You gotta move for your family. You gotta move for yourself. You gotta move for your future. You gotta move to obtain the miracles of God. Don't stop spending, don't spend another year of your life fussing and fighting and complaining and worrying and moving in fear. But you've got to get up today and say, I'm going to move from this place that I'm at. Why set you here until you die? Amen. Can you hear them? They said, oh, you're going to die here in this leprosy. But one of them nudged the other, said, you want to stay here? Go ahead. But I'm going to go see what's on the other side of that wall. God's calling to somebody this morning to get up out of your pain. Get up out of your trouble. Get up out of your sorrow. Get up out of everything that's been against you. And just dare to get up and walk to the other side of the wall and see if the goodness of God won't show the door open in your life. See if the goodness of God won't cause your enemy to flee seven ways. See if the goodness of God won't allow His power to show you something that you've only dreamed of but becomes reality in a miracle moment. Why? Because you dared to get up and to move. Some point in your life, you got to get up out of your doubt. You got to get up out of your fear. You got to get up out of your failure. You got to get up out of your disappointment. You got to get up out of your dysfunction and say, I'm going to start moving northward. I'm changing directions. <laughs> Amen. I'm changing directions. This ain't working. I said, this isn't working. So I was preparing for this the last couple of weeks. I thought about my granddaddy frame and he lived with us. And one night me and dad were coon hunting and we found some big old blackberries. I mean, they were big. And I told granddad about it. He said, let's go get them. I took him to the blackberry patch and we filled up the buckets. Everything was good. I started back home. And it took longer to get home than it got, did to get there. And granddad said to me, he said, son, you're lost. I said, I ain't lost. He said, yeah, he said, we done been to this tree four times. I said, that, granddad, I'm not lost. I just don't know where I'm at right now. Sometimes in the journey, we get lost. We don't know where we're at. 
and we just need to say we don't know what's going on but what we're doing ain't working and we need to change directions amen change directions do something different amen how many know we're creatures of habit and we just start going through the motions thank god for you being here but some of you just came today because that's what you've been doing all every sunday morning what are you going to do? Go to church because that's what I do every Sunday morning. But, but just change direction. Some people, they go the same way all the time. Some of you need to go home a different way today. And if it's just down to the end of the road, drive down backwards. I don't care. Just change it up. <laughs> do something different. Amen. Because you, we get comfortable going through the am I right we get comfortable going through around the mountain we know the mountain we know we know where the blackberry patch is at we know where we know the mountain and we get so comfortable and God said this isn't what I intended for you I know you're comfortable here but there's more there's a land flowing with milk and honey amen and on your journey and I'm going to stop today but on your journey, in this year, 2023, don't pick any fights with things that's not your battle. Isn't it so easy for us to be distracted and get involved in things that aren't even our fight? And the enemy wants to get us distracted and get in a fight that don't have any spoil. The first thing David asked whenever he went to fight Goliath, he said, what do I get? <laughs> in other words, if there ain't nothing to gain, then there ain't no reason to fight. And I want to encourage you when and before you pick the fight this year, before you ever go to struggling, before you go to swinging, just ask yourself, what's the end result? What's the spoil? Is there any, any spoil in this? Is there anything for me at the end when I win? What do I get? If there isn't nothing victory, if there isn't if things for your family, things for you, if it doesn't cause you to be closer to the Lord and, and better in the kingdom of God and in your own life, then don't waste your fight. Amen. I don't think I'm old, but I'm getting old enough to know you don't waste your time on things you used to waste your time on. You ever see kids? You can take your little kids and they'll waste all kinds of energy because they got all kinds of energy to waste. You can, put, you can put them in a room with 10 balls and they're going to fight over one. The older you get, you realize that ball is just as nice as the one they got and you just go over and get it. <laughs> Amen. Just go get it. What I'm saying is save your energy for your fight. 
Save your energy. There'll be a time to fight. There'll be a time in 2023 that'll be a hell fight. That'll be a battle. Save your energy for it. Get ready for it. But in the meantime, keep walking northward. Purpose in your heart today. I'm getting up from where I'm at. And I'm going north. Stand with me. Father, I've done my best for this day. I pray that your Holy Spirit pierces our hearts, our minds, our spirits, our souls, that we receive with meekness the engrafted word of God that's able to save us today. Let us have ears to hear, a heart to receive, and a will to draw near to everything that you would desire for us. I pray today that you give us strength to get up and to move forward, realizing that where we are, we're not dying, we're just not living. I pray that you would speak to our hearts, our minds today, individually as well as corporately, and allow your Holy Spirit to do its work in us today. We give you thanks for this now in Jesus' name. Hallelujah.